Hello, hello everyone and welcome, welcome. I'm glad that you decided to join me for this week's podcast. And this week I actually have, for the first time, a special guest. Her name is Ebony Lawson. Ebony Lawson is a licensed psychotherapist, clinical hypnotherapist, and spiritual teacher. She owns and operates the Self Love Center. So I'm going to ask some questions, Ms. Ebony, but thank you again for joining me. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I'm so glad you decided to do this, especially for my very first one. Yes, <laughs> I think it's awesome. So I wanted to have this um, interview with you because you do something that is a lot more unique than a lot of different therapists. So first and foremost, it's called breath work. Is that right? Yes, breath okay. work. So talk to us about what is breath work? Because I know if somebody saw that name, they might not even get what that really means. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So breath work is really an umbrella term for a variety of different breath work um, experiences out there. But breath work in itself basically just means an active form of meditation where you're breathing in and out at a, um, at a fast pace. And oftentimes we're not breathing at a fast pace rate when we're just breathing on a regular day-to-day -day basis. But the whole point of any breath work is to activate or trigger an emotional cathartic release in the body as well as to trigger um, change and transformation for a person. So the wow. word that I actually heard that most people might be familiar with is like meditation. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So that makes a lot of sense, you know, even to connect people with what breath work is. How did you actually get into doing breath work? Wow. So it's a really interesting story. The way that I got into breath work, I literally stumbled upon this. I um, had my own specific mental health issues that I was dealing with. And I'll talk a little bit more about that later. But in my journey, of looking for some support and learning how to integrate meditation and Eastern philosophies and energy healing into my therapy practice with clients, I went seeking a teacher. <laughs> and how I found a teacher, I went to the holy book, which I call Google. It is the guru of all gurus. <laughs> I went to Google and I stumbled upon this guy here in the Atlanta area who practiced what I wanted to be practicing in my therapy practice. And um, so I went to him and I told him what I wanted to do because I was literally just going to him for teaching. I didn't know the transformation that I was getting myself into. And so I went to him for this, this uh, transpersonal psychology and transpersonal psychology really just means going beyond the body, going beyond the person and, um, and, and learning different ways to incorporate these energy bodies uh, in therapy space. So I went to him and I said, hey, this is what I want to learn. Can you teach it to me? He said, absolutely. Come to my office and we'll talk about it. We spent two hours talking about things that he could help me with. Um, but in those two hours, we went deep into my own stuff because he said to me, if you're going to learn how to teach this to other people, you have to embody this and go through it yourself. And that's when he introduced me to breathwork. And for six months, we worked together every single week for about two hours doing breathwork and coaching, where he took me through this amazing 
transformative experience every week to really unearth all of these traumas that had been living inside of me that I didn't even know was causing these personality issues, these mental health issues that I was experiencing. And Breathwork was really able to push that up to the surface, making it conscious so that I could see it. And then we could actually start doing the work on it. And that's where the coaching came into play. So he would help me to clarify and get rid of things and start rewriting, rewiring my brain. It was powerful six months, I tell you. Now, six months, is that typical for somebody that is wanting to participate in breath work or is that for you to learn how to do it for your clients? Well, six months was actually just his, his, the way he did his services. And, but the way that I've used it with my clients, I believe that you need a lot more time than just one time. One time you can have an amazing experience, very transformative, but if you really want to do some maintenance work and to do some deeper clearing, you definitely need to do it consistently for a couple of months to really start to see a complete shift in your in your mind and in your body. That is so exciting information. It really is. Yeah. So how has learning about breath work affected your life? And what really was the deciding factor for you to really start using that in your practice? And were you doing talk therapy mm. as well? What were you doing in your practice? And to make you want to learn it this way, learn doing this. So let me tell you a little bit about my story. So I spent the bulk of my life dealing with anxiety issues. I had every anxiety diagnosis under the sun, social anxiety, phobias, panic disorders, you name it, I had it. I was a very scared person. And I was so scared to the point where I started to internalize or go inward on myself where um, being outside around other people was way too much. It was overstimulating. I couldn't live this very social life because I was too afraid of people. I was always overthinking. I was always second guessing myself. I was just like, I just can't. I just can't. So my anxiety would turn into all these phobias. So it would be like one phobia after the other phobia after the other phobia. And I think many people may not know this, but anxiety likes to latch on to things. So the minute you wow. get over one problem, it latches on to something else. It's like a parasite. And right. so I never knew that. I never knew that. And so I had this one particular phobia that had grown because of a result of other phobias. And this phobia was called emetophobia. And emetophobia is really the fear of vomit. I had a fear of vomiting and I had a fear of other people vomiting. So wow. imagine myself having a fear of my own self vomiting. Like every time I would eat food, my body would do what bodies do, which is digest. <laughs> we all have to digest our food. But right. my, would, my mind, my brain rather, my mind and my brain had been trained to take my digestion and turn it into nausea. So it was this imaginary nausea and the imaginary nausea would trigger panic attacks. So every time I would eat, I would have a panic attack. And oh. we have to eat every single day, right? So right, right. that caused even more issues of not eating. So I developed a restrictive eating disorder. There were so many things that kept coming out of that. When you don't eat, you get 
physical illnesses, headaches. I had migraines up the wazoo, sleep issues, acne. I had everything that was problematic for me, all because of anxiety. And I didn't know this at the time. I'm able to connect the dots now. But my life was so bad because I was having panic attacks every single day. Uh Every single day, losing weight, staying at the weight, and just not living at my optimal best. My body just wasn't having it. And so when I got into breath work with this uh, teacher, uh, we really started to do the deep work on t- in, into where these anxieties were coming from. And we had to go to the root of the issue. And the root of the issue stemmed from a lot of these traumas that I didn't even know I had from mm. my earlier childhood experiences and then life just reinforced these traumas for me and that's where all of this anxiety had been coming from and I was like whoa so in six months breath work and coaching literally took all of that away I've not had panic attacks or that form of anxiety ever again like it it, from from years like that was 20 plus years of panic and worry and all this stuff to six months of not having it and now it's you know over eight years later and here we are and I don't have these issues anymore um and it literally rewired my brain it literally repattered my the way that I operate so that was that transformation gave me my life back it allowed me to see myself as myself and give back to myself and I was able to start having a social life that was more connecting. I was able to stop worrying about what other people thought of me. I was able to stop second guessing myself. I was able to stop overthinking. I was not stressed out. I could eat food and be okay. (laughs) You know, I, yes, I still deal with some of these issues on every situational again, but they are not like they were before and I'm able to handle them now before I wasn't able to handle it. So because I got this like reality and this transformational shift, I was like, holy cow, I've got to teach this to other people. And when I went to go see him, I was in my internship in school for my master's in in counseling. And so I was all actively working with people in hospice and they were going through grief. And so grief is one of those things that, you know, it it just makes you real heavy. It keeps you sad. It's hard to like get up and keep moving throughout your day. And because I had learned this amazing breathwork technique and this experience, I was like, whoa, I have to give back to people. So I started practicing it as a student. Just anytime I would learn something, I would take it to uh, my clients and just say, Hey, I want to try something with you. And I would full disclaimer, say to them, I'm still learning this. I wow, don't know right. right now, but I, if you trust me, let me, I would, I would love to guide you through it. So it became this, this, a part of my embodiment. It became a part of my personality and my identity and people started seeing results and right away it was amazing and of course that kind of validated my ego so i was like let's do more absolutely i'm totally here for it down I, i felt down for it and so that's how i got into it and and then after i graduated 
and finished my internship, it just became part of how I chose to practice. And I started giving classes and doing group breathing breathwork experiences for people. And that's where the biggest transformation starts to take place for everyone. All these different things are incorporated into some of the stuff that we go through, which Mm -hmm. actually leads to my next question um, based off of what you just said. Do you believe that there is a higher level of stress um, being felt among people today than it was in several years? Do you, what do you think is drawing or causing people to be having so much of this trauma and anxiety and these things that you experience to, in today's time? That's a really good question. And I have a philosophy about that question um, because I do believe that stress is higher than what it was before. I think stress existed. I think people were going through things, but there was a lot more of the unknown. I don't think there were names to call it. I don't think people knew exactly what they were experiencing because there wasn't a name for it. And I think that's the beauty of how science and psychology has like come together because it's given us names and words for what we're experiencing now. So I think societally or culturally, we've been educated to know that this emotion that I'm experiencing is actually stress (laughs) versus maybe what they would have learned back then. They might not have known it as stress. It might have just been, well, I've had a hard day and this is what you do. This is hard work. This is right. Versus I'm actually stressed out and I probably should take a break, you know? And so I think, yes, a lot of stress has increased. I think there's a lot more things happening in the world right now, especially in our time period in this particular year, um, but a lot more stress has been increasing, especially for younger kids too. Oh. Triggered, trickled down to much younger generations than before. Actually, that's another one of my questions that I have for you. But before I get to that, what I do want to ask you, do you think that um, social media, entertainment, or politics has anything to do with the increased levels of stress? that the clients that you're dealing with have experienced? Yes and no. Yes, because we have more access to see what other people are experiencing. And what I know about human development and behavior is that we model what we see. We model what's out there. And we live in a culture where we're, we're consistently bombarded with media just media in general i think that's the beauty of technology we have access to so much whereas before we had libraries right, <laughs> we, right. we had to like walk a mile and a half to get to where we wanted we didn't have access to just jump online and <laughs> look stuff up we didn't know what that was so we didn't know that other people were experiencing things that we were experiencing and so now i think social media politics Um, all of these things give a voice to what we're experiencing. So that makes people feel more bold to say, wow, that's what I'm experiencing too. And sometimes that can increase stress because now that you see it and you know what you're experiencing, you're like, how do I get out of this? (laughs) Now I feel even worse because I've seen so much of it and I've taken in this person and I'm sad this person's experiencing it. I don't, and I'm mad that they're experiencing that over there. And I, how do I deal with that? So I think it, it's a, it's a double-edged sword in so many different ways. And, and the other reason I say no is because um, it goes back to what I was saying before. Like, I think we were experiencing it, all of these different things, stress, you know, anxiety, depression, all of these things, but there wasn't um, 
it wasn't as vast as it is and it wasn't as knowledgeable as it is now. And I think that's why we see more of it because it's just everywhere because we have access to yes. technology. So and that makes a lot of sense. And that's a good way to kind of link that together because it's true that we did have a lot of stuff happening back in the day. And, you know, I'm a lot older, you know, so I know that there was a lot of stuff going on, but the person right down the street don't know that that's going on as opposed to how what we see now. So still going on, just now we have more access to seeing it quicker, a lot quicker than we would before. Um, okay, so when it comes to the service you provide in the mental health arena, how are you spreading awareness about the effects stress has on the body and the mind? When it comes to, especially when it comes to what you offer in breathwork, how are you creating that awareness? At the very beginning, when I'm working with anybody, even if I'm not working with them, this is something that will always come out of my mouth. I believe stressed stress is um, a bit like an emotional behavior. It, you know, it's, it's right. something that we've kind of just learned to deal with. Um, and we've identified with it. However, the, I believe that the mind and the body are the exact same thing. And they're very separate from the brain. So the brain doesn't even know what stress is. The brain doesn't record stress. The brain doesn't even do anything around stress, at least in my belief system. However, but the mind and the body translates or interprets what we've experienced as stress so it gets locked in our bodies and so we then tend to experience um holding tensions in certain places we start to feel uh sick you know they'll say oh you've been stressed out that's why you got a cold now or you've not rested or something like that so we may feel sick sometimes um and then the longer we hold on to that it does send signals to our brain to start activating those chemicals to start um, putting us in survival mode. So the way that I like to explain this is that our brain knows how to operate in systems. Like our brain works on systems. It's like a computer. It's like, a, it's like an operating system. When that operating system is online, you press the power button on your computer and your system starts to go on and you hear the little ding in the in the in the startup. <laughs> right. Our brains are like our brains are like startup. When we press the on button and we have all of these old things in our bodies, our minds, our bodies. When we have all of these like built up old emotions that we've not processed, they're unresolved. We have all these tensions. We can't breathe. Um, we might have high blood pressures. We might been we have tension in our neck. We have we have stomach issues. All of these different things. Our computer system now goes. Oh, you want us to work with that today? Got it. So it's now, <laughs> right. a, it's now a software running in the background. So a software is like a Word document that you, 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 you type up Microsoft Word and now you get to type in it. That's what tension is in our body. It's like a, it's, like a, it's, a, it's an application that's been loaded. And our operating system only knows to work with what we tell it to do. Absolutely. So if our brain is online and it's powered up, it's only going to operate at its fullest capacity based off of the software that we're working with. Oh, software got me all excited with this explanation because <laughs> you know I'm all about neuroscience. So. Yes. <laughs> yes. And the software that we're working with has to be something that allows us to work optimally. So let me give you an example. Like I was talking to a friend yesterday 
And she's like, oh, you know, my MacBook is running really slow. It's, it's slugging, it is sluggish. And like, it's got the, it, it, every time I open up a screen, it like runs across a screen in multiple windows. And I know her computer screen, she has a lot of tabs up on her desktop, she's got a lot of, um, you know, saved files there. So there's a lot of stuff happening in the background of her, her system. And I was trying to help her understand, like, we have virtual memory. Like, if you, if you want your computer to run optimally, you're going to have to close out some of those files or organize them so that you are in control of what your operating system is doing. And it's the same exact thing when we have stress in our body. It's okay to have stress and you have to know what to do with it in order to keep it so that you're not always in tension mode. Because when we're in tension, we have a lot of this emotional tension. It locks us up and it makes us run sluggish. Yes. Like we're running through water. Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. We feel heavy, you know, so we feel all these things and then we wonder why we get irritated and snap when somebody just asks us, how was your day? <laughs> or, right. you know, bump into us in the grocery store. We, we lose it, you know, so there's, there's a reason for that. And so this is kind of the way that I like to explain stress in the body. And the beauty of the breath is that the breath, no matter where you are, when you activate the breath, you turn on the operating system that activates our rest and relaxation mode, which is called the parasympathetic nervous system. So we won't go science and geek right. that. <laughs> That's the operating system that we want to be working on on a regular basis in order for our software to run optimally. So we want yes. a smooth running system. So yeah, that's how I like to explain it. You know, I agree so much with what you're saying, and I love the way you actually simplify for people to get that, because I call them, I call the software mindsets. We have certain mindsets, and we have mindsets based on different things, spirituality, on our health, on finances, on a career, all these different things, and we have mindsets on those things, relationships, you know, and family. So if those mindsets are negative and not functioning properly exactly that is what's going to happen that's what's going to happen so the mindsets for me that's how I look at them as you're what you're saying a software you know that is such a perfect analogy absolutely those mindsets are super key absolutely oh my goodness it's great stuff so when it comes like being a, a licensed professional counselor as well as a consumer yourself of breath work because you went through it and healing experiences what advice do you have for other mental health providers in relation to offering our clients more than just talk therapy a mindset shift right so we're changing out our software and the software right now that's been running is that all you have to do is talk it out and you'll be okay. But talk therapy is not the only thing that can run and help you get past what you're getting through. You have got to combine it with other things. Yes. And it's got to be something uh, that is physical. Um, and Because talk is all mental. It's very mental. It's very heady. And that's beautiful. But if you're not incorporating the head and the body, which we already know, like I said, the mind and the body are the exact same thing. But if you're only talking to one portion of that mind body, which is the mind, you're not going to get the effects 
that uh, you're looking for that's long-term. So a mindset shift would be to understand that you have to work with the body and you have to work with the mind. You cannot work with one more than the other. They have to be worked at the same rate, you know? So if I am working with a client, we're gonna do a lot of processing in our minds. We're gonna talk about deep stuff, wound stuff, and then we're going to take that and feel it in our bodies. Where do we notice that wound? What sensations are we having? Can we talk to that sensation? Can we make it a person? Can we, you know, actualize issues that exist in the body? So working with both the mind and the body is the revolutionary piece that allows people to really get the long-term transformation that they're looking for. You can change your mindset, but now you got to deal with your body too. When I think of the mind, I'm always thinking that the mind is part of our soul. The soul to me is your mind, your will, your emotions. So your character comes through the mind, you know, all of that is coming through that. So say breath work and, you know, meditation and stuff like that. You have to have an understanding that's part of your health. Yeah. That's part of your health. And if you want it to work optimally, you have to do more than just talk therapy. And I want to add something to what you just said too, because yeah, absolutely. And I love that you said you talked about the soul because that's one of the other things that I talk about is because a lot of people aren't aware of their thoughts, right? So they don't even know right. what they're thinking. They don't even know that their uh their software, their mindset is not helping them or supporting them any longer. And so one of the ways that I help people understand it too is like, okay, if the mind and the body are the same thing, then your body is how your soul speaks, right? So exactly what you're talking about. And if you're trying to tap into what your soul is saying, you must pay attention to sensations. A a lot of people can access their body sensations like, oh, you know, I have this like twinge in my calf muscle or I have this cramp in my stomach or this tension in my neck. And then you can start tracing it back from there to see what, like, okay, well, what are you, how, what have you been thinking about that's been creating this tension or this twinge or this cramp? Well, I don't know if I've been thinking about a lot of things. I did have a stressful day, but nothing out of the ordinary is what typically people will say because they're still not able to process it yet. Right. You can take it and go just a little bit further. If you've had a hard day, your body's going to tell you. Your yes. body's going to feel it. <laughs> And so, yeah, your mind and your body is the way that the soul speaks. And if we want to be in connection to our true nature, our, our authentic self and living optimally and at our best, our deepest desires, then we must stay in tune with our mind and our body. First of all, what would you want people to know about this whole thing? What, what would you like them to take away? And how can people get in contact with you? One of the things that I would really want people to know is even if uh, breathwork makes no sense to you, (laughs) even if you are not into meditation or you feel like you can't do it, I would say, give it a try. Give it a try. Allow yourself to be curious about the power of your breath because I know we know we breathe on a regular basis we breathe in this we have to stay alive right but then there's a science to how to breathe so deep and so impactful um, enough for us to really create a shift and a transformation in our minds 
And it's, it's probably one of the quickest ways to go about doing that. There's so many techniques out there, but if you really want to see an immediate shift, learning how to do uh, a, a transformational breath can really take you beyond where you are right now and start to activate or kickstart your healing. So I would say give it a try, be open, be curious, be flexible. If you're really wanting to get out of these mindsets that's not serving you or supporting you or keeping you stuck, and you're wondering why you keep doing things over and over again, breath work is something that will really help you get out of that rat race of doing things over and over and over again. And then you can start doing some really deep work, changing your mindset and everything. Absolutely. So that would be a takeaway. And you can find me at my website, www.cultivateselflove.com, or you can find me on my social media at uh, Cultivate Self Love on Instagram or um, Ebony Lawson on Facebook. So that's how you can stay in touch with me. Well, I will definitely make sure I put that in the notes so they have that information. And I just want to say thank you so much for agreeing to do this. I appreciate you very much. And I understand exactly how this breath work really will change lives because I have had three experiences with your breath works and it has made a miraculous change in me and how I view my body big time. So I really want people to understand that they need to be doing other things besides just talking about it because it will it will transform their lives period if they just allow themselves to be a part of it do people need to do breathworks um online do they do this do they have to come to a location how is it um delivered so i offer it in both ways i offer it all online and i offer it face-to-face too. I actually have a class coming up, another a breathwork experience coming up on November 10th at 3.30. If you are in the metro Atlanta area and you want to be a part of that, please go to my website and you can sign up for it. Um, but I, I love offering it to people all online. You can still experience the same effect even if you're not here face-to-face experiencing it with me live. You have a virtual one, like on the computer coming up anytime soon. Do you have a date for that yet? Not yet, but okay. if you go to my website, it'll have an upcoming events and it'll be great. Posted when I actually offer another virtual. I just did one last night, so I'm really excited about it. So we'll be doing it again. If you go to my website too, there's also a way to sign up for my newsletter. That's where I send a lot of tips on loving yourself and healing beyond anxiety and so many other things. And that's where I also send out upcoming events as well. Okay. That's great. But if you don't want to be on the newsletter, you can always follow me on social media too. Got it. Well, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you so much. And just depending on how this goes, I might have to ask you back again to see. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I'm here for it. (laughs) Yes. Thank you, Ebony. And we'll talk soon. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me.